Kellyanne Conway joins us again today for part two of our conversation on her memoir, Here's the Deal. Today, we'll learn what it was like to be senior advisor to President Donald Trump while being a mom to her four young kids. She'll also share all the details on why she left the White House to come home, and she'll talk about her husband George's infamous tweets against the president. So much to discuss with Kellyanne Conway. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. Well, right away, I want to go ahead and invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Also, we always ask that you like and share with your mom friends. We have some great guests on every week, great topics, and we would um, know that a lot of your moms would love to hear about it. Also, if you have an idea or a topic or a guest for our podcast, would you go ahead and email me personally at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast at momsforamerica.net. I also want to invite all of our moms listening to join our movement here at Moms for America. It's moms like us, me and you, mama, uniting all across our country to fight for family, faith, freedom, and the Constitution. So check us out at momsforamerica.us. Again, that is momsforamerica.us. Alrighty, on to this week. Well, this week we are bringing you part two of our interview with Kellyanne Conway. Boy, did we have a great discussion with her. So much information and we just kept chatting, chatting, chatting. So we've got two parts here. So welcome to part two. If you haven't listened, listen to the other one. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, We're going to be talking about her new memoir, Here's the Deal. It's out. I highly recommend it. Kelly Ann is an absolutely amazing role model for women today. She worked hard, very hard, her entire life, not knowing if she would ever get a shot at the top. Well, Donald Trump gave her an opportunity, and boy, did she succeed. She is not only the first Republican female to run a presidential campaign, but she is also the first female to run a winning presidential campaign on either side of the aisle. She was also senior advisor to President Donald Trump for the first three and a half years of his presidency, leaving only because her children needed her. She'll talk about less drama and more mama, her husband, kids, and more. We're going to go ahead and pick up the interview with Donald Trump's win and Kelly Ann joining the White House staff. What was this journey like to be a part of the the White House administration there? It was. And, so I mean, this is what you had worked for. Like you said, this was this is what you were hoping for. And all of us in life, we always wonder, will that ever come to our doorstep? It came to your doorstep. Came to my doorstep. I got lucky. You know, I worked hard my whole life, but so do many women who never get a lucky break. I got that lucky break, and I'm the first to say it. Donald Trump saw something in me that was different, and he was different. And my connection to to the MAGA voters, to the America First agenda, I think has really been a has sustained me, because I'm very protective of the 74 million Trump Pence voters from 2020 dead. In that they were not the U.S. Capitol that day, they weren't. You know, they didn't. They didn't assault police officers. Like they just want 
They want their country back. They want back what they had, which was energy independence and a great economy and Putin not in Ukraine and $2 a gallon gas prices and infant formula in copious supply, et cetera. So it was surreal, but I got to tell you, as a public servant, which is the way I looked at myself, who took that job literally on my 50th birthday. I was born January 20th, 20, 1967. That was so a great birthday present for 50. You know, 50 is kind of hard. And 50 is a little hard for all of us, but hey, that was a pretty good, that was a pretty good it definitely uh, soothes, It definitely soothes Father Time yeah. and Mother Nature and gravity. <laughs> um, when, when, pre, when Mr. Trump made me the campaign manager, I said, Mr. Trump, I believe in God's hand and will and fate. And do you know, Oh, inauguration day is my 50th birthday. So we either have the birthday party of a lifetime or I'll take the kids to Italy. And Deb, my kids still haven't been to Italy. So we did have a great party, but we got right to work. And working for, that's right, and working for President Trump meant that you were operating at a volume and out of a lot, with a volume and out of velocity that is breakneck and unheard of in Washington. Look, when you are, you know, when you're goosing and, and pinching and challenging the empire, the way President Trump was here in Washington, the empire has a way of striking back. Uh, he's he was he came here to turn the tables upside down and make change very quickly. And he did that with deregulation, tax cut, and jobs act, energy independence, um, having the NATO countries and our trading partners step up, pay more of their fair share, and make everything more fair to America, American mm -hmm. American interests and allies. And so, you know, we got right to work and. I really appreciated having that relationship with President Trump in the White House, though, because I know, especially if not, uh, including if not especially as a woman, I was heard, I was listened to, even if he disagreed with my advice and went in a different direction. I knew he heard me because he challenged me. He asked the questions. I literally had a seat at the table right in front of the Resolute desk. And mm -hmm. it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And I have to say, this country has so many needs that if it you does. can be a nonprofit or a public service, even just a teeny part of your career, I highly, highly recommend it. So the win happens, then he asks you to to be a part of the team. What was what was your response? What was your ask back? What was your thought bubble? Um, My answer for a while was no, thank you, sir. <laughs> That's I, sort of I sort of evaded <laughs> the questions. I mean, why, I, why was it no, thank you? Well, President-elect Trump offered me press secretary within about okay. 90 minutes or so. It's in my book of him winning. And I- Right, and you said, no way. that, And I'm thinking, I'd be a terrible press secretary. I'm not even sure what they do. I'm still not um, altogether clear. And so he said, oh, then communications director. And I kind of froze. And over the subsequent few weeks, when people were clawing their way to get their preferred positions, I was hanging back, helping with the transition mm -hmm. and, um, running toward a gold mine of life-changing money, eight figures in all, between TV contracts, book contracts, consulting contracts. Um, so I was selfishly looking at the gold mine of money, Deb, and Mom mm -hmm. America, but I also, first and foremost, was worried about my kids. They're forced sure. age children entering um, sixth grade, sixth grade, third grade, and first grade. I mean, these are terrible ages for mom to they go sure, into the house. Right. And uh, eventually we made the decision as a family, as a couple, certainly, to move to Washington, D.C. And I'm glad we did. My mm -hmm. kids are brilliant. They made a big move, a big change early on. Um, and, you know, George did change his mind, but it took me, he was, Donald Trump was elected in the wee hours of November 9th and Hillary Clinton's assistant, Huma Abedin, called my cell phone. I handed it to Donald Trump and I said, congratulations, Mr. President-elect. And I said to Mike Pence, Governor Pence, please make sure Hillary actually concedes. I kind of didn't trust her to do that. She conceded that night, but really never again. 
And, um, and then I took, you know, I was announced December 22nd. So you're talking a good six weeks or more between his election and me saying I was going into the White House. But I asked the president for a couple of things. I wanted walking in privileges. I wanted the highest rank assistant to the president. I wanted the senior counsel while I did not want to do that in scheduling and communications and press. A lot of the women get put there. Um, and I wanted to be able to um, do have a couple of things in my portfolio, like veterans, um, the economy, certainly the drug drug crisis in my portfolio. So I can work on healthcare and education. I can work on things that I love where I felt I can make a small difference. Right. Well, I love that you had your own ask. And that you didn't fit into a mold, but it doesn't sound like you would fit into somebody else's mold. I just, I got well, that listen, I was denying my whole life. I mean, frankly, right. let people walk all over me plenty. I, I grew up in a house where women, the women did that as loving as and strong as they were and are. They did have a, a weakness for letting people use them um, in different ways and through different plays. Um, but I learned also that if you don't stick up for yourself, no one will. That's right. And it's just a matter, ladies, moms, it's just a matter of you stating what you already know and will be easy for us to believe and accept, which is you are worthy. That's You've right. got the skill, the talent, the the strength, the courage, the moxie to do mm-hmm. this. Uh, whatever that this is, whatever it is you want to do. I hear from moms all the time. How did you decide to have four children? Well, I don't know that I decided it just kept happening, <laughs> but, um, but what a blessing that is. And I had two in my forties. I mean, dad, they say there are no eggs left in your forties. <laughs> around in there somewhere their names are charlotte and vanessa um my 40s and and to each their own i think we women as long as we are products of our choices not victims of our circumstances we are doing a lot right that's right all right well i could go on and on here about the white house i'd love to but by the way you have great things to say about president donald trump i mean working for him i mean he gets such a bad rap poor poor president well he does Yeah, he does. The media thought it was their job to get the president, not get the story. And in getting the president, you know, try to find things like Russia collusion, which they're still looking for, impeaching him twice only to have a Senate, you know, back off of that and uh, did everything they could to get Joe Biden in there over Donald Trump. Somehow he got 81 million votes, a guy who can't put a sentence together, can't convince the country that he's got the competence or builds confidence in us that he can get the job done. We have the first female vice president, first female vice president of color. And for what purpose? The women in Afghan have fewer rights now. Um, you, you've got people, women in this country can find baby no formula. Women are, are suffering economically and otherwise uh, crime and public safety is being compromised. Crime is up, drug use, drug, drug overdose deaths are up. And I feel like our first female vice president, moms, it's okay to say it and admit it and, and shout it. She's got like this no-show part-time job. Right. And it, it's really, I feel it's like it's to fall back a little bit. So I loved working in the White House because that infinite to-do list of how to help this country, none of us can ever, ever really scratch the surface, but getting in there and trying to make a, a small difference for people um, really is, is a great life reward for me. Well, thank you, Kellyanne, for your service there. We were all um, just the wind beneath your wings or you really represented it the moms very well there. So let's let's go through a little bit on your book here. Again, we talked about your book, Moms. This is a great read for you. You have so much insight. There it is. You have so much insight. Um, and, and just, you know what, it's really great when you hear a mom share their story because we, can all, we can't relate to being in the White House, but we can relate to the challenges that you had. We can relate to, you know, to raising children in this culture, to the media, to the social media, to, to trying to balance it off. So let's talk about your chapter called Mom Guilt. Um, how did you kind of compensate for a little bit of the guilt 
or this, you know, spending so much time away from family, um, balancing your career, going home and washing dishes and trying to, to cook a meal, trying to make sure you knew where your children were. Um, this whole chapter is called Mom Guilt. And I think a lot of us as moms deal with this very issue. We all do, ladies. You're not alone. Please don't ever yeah. feel alone or different or awkward or less than, which society and others, whether they're moms or non-moms, or they'll try to make you feel that way. You know who you are. Only you know what's best for your family and for yourself. Mm -hmm. First of all, follow that. It's part instinct. It's part le learned behavior about your family, but it's it's mostly love and judgment. And look, when you become a mom, you know you're never going to be number one again. And that's fine. That's a great trade-off mm -hmm. to have these wonderful children or child. And you know, for me, I put the kids first, but I also put my foot down many times at work. I worked super hard. One thing that we made sure was that our, our home was within just a couple of miles from the White House, not sitting in hours worth of traffic each way um, every day, just having the kids FaceTime me or asking me where their shoes were, so trying to get them out the door in the morning and then at home. The other thing I did early on, which would strike people as bizarre, and they probably don't know it, but it's in the book. I told President Trump early on I would not go on any foreign trips. Everybody else is dying to get on the manifest. Mm. Um, and That's right they would betray their best friends just to get on that foreign trip, you know, to Saudi Arabia and Israel and, and the Vatican and the G7, the very first trip they all took. Um, I told the president, if you need me on a trip, I will be there. But by default, I'm just not going to put myself on the manifest because I right. thought he's away for three days, eight days, 10 days, and, and five time zones or four time zones away or so. I need to be with my children. And right. Um, I got a lot of work done at the White House while he was away or up on Capitol Hill or traveling around. And yet I was home every night for my kids. So that was a big one. And you know what, moms, I never regretted or resented that for a moment. It's easy to resent, you know, for years, George would be able to come to Washington DC, my city, after he moved to New York to raise our children in New York and New Jersey, they were all born in Manhattan. And he'd come to DC for work and he'd be like, oh, Kellyanne, DC is so great. You should spend more time here. And I said, George, You've been there since two o'clock yesterday afternoon for a meeting today at three. Like when I go in, I'm on the 6 a.m. train. I got the breast pump in the bathroom and the, on the Amtrak. <laughs> I'm back the same night. I didn't see anybody anyway. I left at 4.30 a.m. They were sleeping. I got home at midnight. They were sleeping again. But in my mind, I was a great mom because I didn't stay over. Instead, I'm exhausted and didn't see anybody anyway. But I told them, hey, George, for, you know, to, to be able to spend more time in Washington, you can't be me. You have to be married to me. Right. And you, repeat, you can't be me. You have to be married to me because then you're able to do it. So I know we all feel that way. But ladies, make the life you want and learn to say no. The biggest gift we can give ourselves as people who just say yes all day long and make it better and take on more than our tiny shoulders can, can handle sometimes, learn to say no. It is a health gift you will give to yourself. And the no um, is you don't need to go to lunch every week with the same friend who complains about the same thing she's gonna change in her life and never does. Just show her love. You don't need to spend the two hours. You don't need to you know, do certain things or raise your hand for certain things if it's going to mm -hmm. take you away from your own health and your own children. Right. And so I've also learned, Deb, to take the high road and the long view. How will all of this look five and 10 years from now when my, when my kids look back? Right. Where was mom? They're going to know that mom was you know, available to them every night even though I'd worked at, at the White House during the day. And it has not been an easy um, obstacle-free road. And then we had all these jerks in the media and elsewhere that were trying to make our lives more difficult. Uh, but, you know, we're resilient and my kids are fantastic. God bless them. And we very much believe in, in God's hand in our lives. 
You do talk a lot about um, it's important to be there for the firsts when they're little, but it's very important to be there for the middle years. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. I, I remember my, my dad told me that years ago when I was 12, 13, he said to me, boy, anybody could have really, you know, mom could have been here and I, I was here and all that. But now when you can make the, the big decisions, the decisions that change your life, this is when the parents need to be there. And that's what you talk a lot about being there at those moments yes. in their middle years. And it's part of why I left the White House. You know, I famously said less drama, more mama. It broke my heart to leave a job I love so much, but it would have broken my heart more to know that right. my kids were about to start their second school year dad and mom's online, this ridiculous screen time is school time, which we all know is not true. Um, and so I was very upfront with the first lady and then the president about leaving and why I was leaving the president. No, 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 just go be with them, honey. Go be with them. You come here when you can. Again, felt guilty. That was sort of mom guilt about my job guilt, taxpayer guilt, uh, taxpayer <laughs> job guilt. No, 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 I gotta do this. And I... And I did it. I made good on that promise. And I, I also quote in my book, Deb, that I had heard a, uh, I had heard this phrase. It's Broadway show or somewhere a while ago that you should care more about what your kids think of you when they're 30 than when they're 15. And I read that again when I had two kids who were actually 15. Um, and, and all it means is like, what will this all look like later on to them? Right. What will they be able to look back and reflect on? And it wasn't always easy. I took the job early because I knew if I'd waited for six months, uh, um, I, I don't know what would have happened if, I mean, the guys who were trying to push me out and push me to the side to begin with would have totally done that. So I needed to go there for day one, um, by day one. But I, I, and my kids finished their school years in New Jersey and that was hard. You know, I go back and forth, back and forth and couldn't be there every night. So there was a lot of guilt for that too. But, you know, eventually we all got together and, and, and um, you know, and, and it's just been a wonderful thing. And I, look, whether you work inside the home or everyone works inside the home, whether you work outside the home or you don't, um, we all need to lift each other up That's and right. find that common ground that unifies us without compromising our own beliefs and principles. We need to show much more respect to each other for our differences and not just our sameness. That's right. Well, so in the late summer of 2020, you just referred to this, you did decide to go home and resign and focus on motherhood. And uh, you just mentioned that phrase, less drama, more mama. Um, why and how difficult was that for you? Well, I did that for the kids. You had this um, crazy health director in Montgomery County, Maryland, where three of my children were going to start their school year, come out with a you know a unilateral proclamation. Oh, we're going to start school online again. Why? They everybody bought into that March to June of 2020. Um, everybody was on their best behavior doing that. But then we were told, including by the doctors in the White House, go have a great summer. And everybody did. If you go back and look at the statistics, Deb and moms other moms, it was, um, there was record car rentals and RV rentals and people were mm -hmm. vacationing by car running around. And it's like, oh, glad you did that. But now we're going to start the school year online. Even though our administration had provided billions for the schools, for ventilation, for those little circles, for the masks, for how to do it. And of course we made, we made the teachers um, critical workers also, so they can be among the first to get vaccinated. So anyway, I just could not do that to my kid. I told the president, you know what, Mr. President, I was gone too much, um, two and a half miles away, but gone too much during the first days of COVID because I was here in the situation room every day, sitting behind doctors, Burks and Fauci, right. and I can't do that again. Um, and then, you know, I made good on it. And their father, George, said he was going to step away from the Lincoln Project, step away from Twitter. He did, but only briefly. And I just wanted to make good on that promise um, that my kids understand. I always want them to have the example of me working and knowing how to support myself. Mm 
but I also wanted them to know that when these circumstances we could not have predicted where they're gonna be online again for school times four kids, I was exactly where I needed to be, which was with them. Amen. Things did get intense in your personal life. You talk about this very openly in your book, I've, in a lot of interviews. Um, when your husband started to publicly tweet against your boss, the president, um, you say in your book that this really bruised your heart. Um, we all, I guess, you know, feel for you. I mean, what a tough situation and emotionally draining and stressful. Um, how, how did you handle this? Well, it was hard, Deb. I lost my person. You know, yeah. the person who you, you trust and confide in and love and raise a family with and, and took marital vows with. And um, George changed his mind about Donald Trump. That's fine. This is America. Mm -hmm. um, he supported him crying in his MAGA hat on election night 2016. She did it. She did it. So proud of his wife. Took a job in the Trump administration and changed his mind. That would all be okay. But it really should be discussed privately Correct. and not you know, bloviated and, and, and tweeted so publicly. It was so unlike George in 2016, known as the year of the tweet, he had sent zero tweets. And um, he's now sent over 100,000. We all have to, we all have to choose how we spend our time, but I do not choose to spend my time online, <laughs> uh, living my life. Right, and you were even shocked when you heard about the I, original I tweet, right? Chapter. You were like, what, George doesn't tweet? Yeah. There's a whole chapter, Deb, you're right. That's called, there's a whole chapter in my new book, here's a deal called, but George doesn't tweet. When Sean Spicer said, did you know about this? And he's showing me, I'm squinting. I'm like, that's not really not hacked or that's one of those fake accounts that looks like your account because George doesn't tweet. And George hadn't tweeted. He actually took those initial tweets down and um, removed his name from contention for the civil division job at, at the Department of Justice, but put out this glowing statement, not even on Twitter, because he really wasn't on Twitter, put out this glowing statement, Deb, that said, Mr. President, thanks for the honor of the nomination. I withdraw. It's not a good time for Kellyanne and I both to have these jobs, you know, with four small kids. And then he said, of course, I still support the great work of you in the administration and of my wonderful wife. So he was still all in. And then there was this attrition away from that. I think um, being known as Kellyanne Conway's husband, he probably didn't realize he was gaining this mm -hmm. odd kind of Washington type attention. Don't confuse mm -hmm. fame with infamy, um, popularity with notoriety, but he, he was known as Kellyanne Conway's husband and they couldn't get enough of his tweets of his anti-Trump, you know, viral stuff. And I just felt I owed, um, I owed notice and, and transparency that he was going to have an op-ed the next day in the Washington Post or the New York Times or a whole tweet storm against my boss where I was walking into work that day with my colleagues. Or, you know, he would tweet about the people um, around Donald Trump who are reprehensible or should know better. So I think I, you know, there I am trying to cook a meal, do the dishes, get the dogs right. and the kids all situated. And I say in my book, tucked in the corner, around the corner, is my husband polishing off tomorrow's, you know, polishing up tomorrow's Lincoln Project ad against my boss and against what George and I always believed Unreal. from an issue and principle perspective. So when people ask me, was it all worth it to you? It's like, good God, you need to ask George that question because right. I was always able to separate my boss and my husband, my my job and my marriage. They don't put them on equal footing at all. But, um, you know, to this moment, uh, George loves going on TV and tweeting and all of that. And he retired from his job without telling me. Um, and, you know, here we are a few years later. So it's been rough and I'm very raw and open about it because yeah. I have all these people in this new book. I have all the moms, you're gonna love it. Look at this. It's either a showstopper or a doorstopper, but it's a thick baby. This is a big baby. Okay, yeah, lots of good stuff in there. Lots of good stories. This mom would have felt guilty, Deb, if I didn't write 500 pages, I'd be like, no, you paid me money. I need to write double. And I love to talk in text, as you say. So, 
So, by, by the way, um, I, I do say in here very frankly that democracy will survive, America will survive, and I'm worried George and I may not survive. It's been a really rough road, but these kids are great, and I love them, and you know, I, I took my vows very seriously. I do want to tell you that some of the comments that I got, because um, we mentioned to our moms that we were going to be chatting with you, and many of them said, could you please tell Kellyanne that she handled her situation with grace and dignity? So. Thank Thank you. That. I want to thank them because I did not want to respond in kind. I had the tweeting men in my life, Donald Trump and George. And you were stuck right in the middle of and I, I was, a 20. You know, the president's enormous credit, though, and I do credit him. He never asked me to choose. He could have said, Kellyanne, he could we have. Love you. you'll always be part of the extended political family here, but I got to worry about Vladimir Putin. I can't be focused on George Conway's tweets. Sure. But he really stuck by me and my children. I will never forget that. I'll be always grateful. And I, I talk to him frequently, and he knows how grateful I am about that. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm wonderful to hear. Um, you talk about your children. We just because moms are always dealing with social media with their own children. Oh, yes. Let's talk a little bit about Claudia and her TikTok account going viral. Um, that was a shock. That was another situation that you had to deal with um, as far as a parent. You've got a what a 15 year old. Your daughter was 15 at that time and just throwing it all out there challenging parental authority and kind of bucking the system a bit um well, teens do. wow right yeah, lots of teens do and i raise my sure do <laughs> independent thinkers and uh chart their own way and claudia and i are extremely close and she is you know all told she's uh, obviously objectively beautiful and brilliant not just from her um biased mom here but all told you know claudia showed herself to have more judgment principle discretion class dignity and grace and intelligence than the adults who were direct messaging her about these TikToks and then tweets. Um, she was doing what lots of teenagers were doing, pushing back on authority, right. insulting mom and dad, going up. You know, she was very involved in Black Lives Matter and, and the protests of 2020 after George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. And um, she, but for her to be direct messaged by adults, by 35-year-old Taylor Lorenz um, okay. at the New York Times, who took Claudia's anti-Trump TikToks and put them to all of her followers, my immediate reaction was terror, utter terror that now people could find Claudia. Right, for her safety. I mean, oh. Her safety, sex trafficking. Of course, what mother would want this? I, this, I this. feared for her. Well, Taylor Lorenz is not a mother and she acts like a child. She's now 38 years old, crying on national TV that people are doxing her and picking on her. The Washington Post now hires her and they've had a hard time with her veracity and her ethics. Her mm -hmm. stories get corrected and pulled back constantly. She's a serial liar. And I just want to ask everybody out there, would you have felt better somehow if Taylor Lorenz were a man, a 35, now 38 year old man, direct messaging kids, children? Horrible. So horrible, and I'm not done with her. Um, no. But I want you said you you won't forget, and you said you won't forget. I won't forget, and I won't forgive. And I'm a Christian who grants and seeks mercy, forgiveness, and redemption routinely. But this one with my children, mm -hmm. people should not be doing that. Even you know there were even very popular, or I should say, well known. I don't know, popular, well known media anchors and figures right now as you and I are talking um, on this Deb and Moms for America who still follow Claudia on Twitter, what are they waiting to see? That right. that somehow the Russia collusion is in my handbag or uh, the Wuhan lab secret is in my briefcase. I mean, what, why are they following this kid on Twitter? You're really weird, by the way. Uh, but we know why they are. They want to cause division in the Conway family. Um, and I feel badly because George has been used by so many of them as Kellyanne Conway's husband. And Claudia saw through that. 
Claudia yeah. got with so many teens one, which is fame, followers, likes, attention, affection. And Claudia gave it up. Like most yeah. adults I know can't can't get rid of that, um, including some adults close to home. Yeah. I mean, every mom knows that when someone decides to uh, take advantage of their child, that mama bear rises up. Mama bear. And Claws and that. all. Yes. Claws and all. And just how horrific. Uh, to take um, a situation that is really a private family situation, a child, and then use that for uh, to manipulate her. Um, and I just mentioned this because moms all across the country are having situations with their own children with social um, media. This is just a weird, media. weird world. It's it's a cesspool, and the tech companies know. It. I think <sighs> there could be some good in it, but the tech companies know it, and they even testified under oath before Congress that they knew, I think it was Snapchat or they, they know that that is harmful to girls and their egos and their self-worth. Sure and you know what, uh, moms, as great of a job as you're doing, you kiss those kids goodnight, you close their bedroom door, you say a prayer, you sigh that another great day is, is under your belt and they're under the covers reading strangers telling them that they are less than, that they're missing out that they'll never be good enough, that they should die or kill themselves or try this drug to be beautiful or more awake or more smart Terrific. or come along here because mom and dad are so annoying, won't let them do anything fun. We, we don't even- Don't know listen to your parents. They yep. don't care. Yep. I care. They manipulate and the kids are know just all so- the that lurk. So in the remaining time we have, um, go for it, Deb. All right, here we go. Two questions for our moms. I'm gonna let you go. What has life been like? Uh, by the way, we got- quite a few questions, but I'm gonna ask you just a couple. I'm gonna put this in a two-part series, I think now, because Kellyanne's been so interesting and I know you've got to go, but what has life been like since you left the White House? What has your days been like? What have you been doing? Well, my life's been as full as it's always been. I mean, I've got two 17-year-olds, a 14-year-old, 12-year-old. As of November 2nd, they all four teenagers at the same time, so do pray for me. But, um, <laughs> so it's very full because their lives are very full and they always come first. I'm also um, in charge of the elders in my life because thank God, um, they've been spared, you know, significant compromising health crises all through this global pandemic. But business-wise, I started my own company, KA Consulting LLC, do lots of speeches back in the polling and consulting business for candidates, for corporate America, for nonprofit America. And I've been busy finishing my memoir. It took me a while to do it because I wanted to do it right. And I wanted it fact-checked and legal-checked and it's very raw, it's very open. It's not a tell-all and bore most like so many of these Trump people books. It's not a MAGA book and it's not a it's not an anti-Trump book. It's an honest book about my life's journey, which is unique to me, but in some ways, Moms for America could be any of us. Sure. Are, because we all live in the greatest country God has ever put on the face of the earth. And we all have these opportunities and hopefully get a little lucky. But um, my life has been great. And I, people say, oh, you look rested or, oh, you, I think there is a certain sloughing off of stress <laughs> and the lack of sleep, you know, when you're, when you're out of that. Um, in I'm probably one of the few people in the country that talks regularly to Donald Trump and Mike Pence. And I feel blessed to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we'll see where the future leads. I am one of a majority of Americans who wants Biden and Harris out of there. That's so right. if there's a way for me to help make that so, I will. All right. Well, that's the other question. Do you think Donald Trump will, will run again and will you be a part of his team? And that'll be the last questions for you. He certainly wants to run again. He sees there is unbelievable unfinished business from his first mm -hmm. term. But more importantly, he is he shares the sadness, if not the anger of all of us, that we cannot believe in less time than it takes to have a baby. 
um, beginning with the chaotic and deadly unnecessary against the general's advice pullout from Afghanistan a year ago, all the way through the economy, infant formula, um, Ukraine, goodness, uh, the southern border, our communities are less safe. It just goes on and on. Uh, The Build Back Better, which was silly, the America Rescue Plan, which is empty. Again and again, everywhere we turn, Biden and Harris are not getting the job done. Americans lost confidence in their confidence. So President Trump, I think the cleanest, clearest way for President Trump to be president again is not to look backward, but to just look forward and have a cage match rematch with Joe Uh, Biden. Rematch. And if I was a betting girl, I'd say he will run. He's itching to announce it, I'm sure, sooner rather than later. It's fun for him to be kingmaker, but it's more fun for him to be king. And hopefully you'll be... Maybe a part of the team because I will my best and highest use in that operation. And if somehow um, he decides not to, if it's somebody else, um, I will see what my best and highest use is consonant with what the kids need. All right. You have a closing word for our moms today, a piece of advice for them. Well, you and you alone know what's best for you and your family. And I won't say you and you and you alone. I should just say you are the chief executive officer, chief operating officer, chief financial officer of your household. And you know what? You're also their chief morality example. And that's what's most important. Take the long view. If today wasn't a great day, somebody was sick, somebody failed a test, somebody was moody, somebody didn't come down to dinner or talk back to you, um, someone got an offender bender, it's fine. Because in the scheme of things, in the long long journey called life, it's all part of the growing and learning experience. Make sure they know you love them and be fully present. I remember um, years ago, this this research project that I talked about in my book just very quickly, um, moms were asked and then kids were asked sitting in the same seats in the same focus group exercise, what do you wish you had more of with the other? And the moms all said time, 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 time. The kids didn't say time. Most of them said, I want mommy to not be tired. I want mommy to look at me in the eye. I want mommy to not be on her phone. To be there. To just be there, ladies, even when we're there, make sure that we're truly there. That is my best advice. And you know what? Also, the heck with the naysayers and critics. Um, They, you know, just pray for the miserable people that they become less miserable. But don't let that, don't let the hate that corrodes that container somehow seep into you and your heart. You know who you are. Stand tall, stand tall, show up, speak up, and stand up for what you believe. And God bless each and every one of you. Deb, thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you, Kelly Ann. All right. Thanks, Kelly, so much. I know you've got a hundred other interviews. That's it. Make sure moms, you get your copy of Kelly Ann's memoir. Here's the deal, wherever you can buy your books. Kelly Ann, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless your family. Hope to see you again soon on the trail here. And um, Appreciate you stopping by here today. Thanks so much. All right, moms. Well, before we close, I'd like to remind all of you to visit our website at momsforamerica.us. Visit our website, check out all our resources, our events, our programs. I'd love to have you check out our signature program called The Cottage Meeting. These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage. So you can share the principle of principles of liberty in your home and right there in your community. Um, this program, along with all of our other programs on our website, will help you impact your family in an incredibly powerful way. Uh, we always say this, it's Moms for America has great resources from parental rights to public policy. So again, momsforamerica.us. Lastly, please sign up for our weekly newsletter. This helps us connect with you, helps us. Uh, 
let us share information uh, for you as you uh, engage with other moms um, and uh, resources. So sign up for our newsletter. You can do that right on our website. Every week we say uh, that we believe liberty begins at home, mom, and that you, you have the greatest job ever of raising the next generation. You are the heartbeat of America, and that's why this movement is so, so powerful and so important. So like, subscribe. I mean, what a great chat with Kellyanne Conway. Again, um, please stop by next week for another inspiring, informative discussion with moms just like you. Thank you, moms, for joining us on the Moms of America podcast. And as always, let's keep changing our world one home at a time. God bless.